fadeaway with a hand in his face in the air for the win! Yes, Let's it fly, and Carl Anthony Towns drills it at the buzzer. A catastrophic finish for the Grizzlies. Welcome to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Your home for the best Wolves talk around. Wiggins spots up there, deep three, he's got it. He scores it at the buzzer to give the Timberwolves the victory. Welcome in to another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson, and I'm joined, as always, by Chris Emerson. Chris, how are we doing? Doing good, doing good. Got a nice loss. Yeah, that's true. That, that's true. The suck for Cunningham, or or Mobley, or Suggs, or someone Miserable else. from Mobley? Yeah, I like that. I like that. And, as always, we are joined by Jared Good. Jared, how are we doing? Uh, I didn't watch a ton of tonight's game, but every minute I watched, which was about 15 minutes, was absolutely perfect in everything I want to see. So I'm actually doing pretty good. All right. And that's the thing about being the Wolves fan. You can lose the game and still feel good uh, about about the game. Uh, so, you know, let's, let, let's get right into it. Wolves lose to Boston tonight. They had a pretty, I would say, a 15-point lead in the third quarter. But as a Wolves fan, you know that those leads aren't going to stick around. Uh, they did, however, they were down late in the fourth quarter. We're down um, 11 points and came back. D'Angelo Russell hit some timely shots, hit one off the hit a three off the backboard, and they went into overtime, and then Boston was too much um, for the Wolves in overtime. So let's start with you, Garrett. Uh, Jared, what good things did you see out of the Wolves tonight? Well... I mean, we're going to have a whole segment about this, but I really liked what I saw from D'Lo, Edwards, and Cat, and, and we'll talk about that coming up. Um, I also was kind of surprised to say I thought uh, John, or, uh, Chris's favorite player over here had his probably his best game in two years in Josh Okogi. So uh, I was actually kind of surprised to see uh, uh, Okogi have a little bit of fire for, for the first time in a long time. So that was kind of nice to see uh, played pretty well defensively on the Boston side. I mean, again, it, it's nothing new. The Timberwolves give out career highs to everyone and Jason Tatum had a career high. I think he finished with, he, he was at 50 last time I see he might've finished with 52, but yeah, he had a ton tonight and, and that was kind of the, the, the outlier factor in, in overtime. I think it was 54. Okay, yeah. So I, he, was at, he had 50 at one point, and then I, I kind of turned it off because we were down by 10 in, in overtime last 40 seconds or something. 53 tonight for Jason Tatum, four assists and 10 rebounds. Not a bad night, but, um, yeah, when, when you give up 53 to a guy – you're probably not going to win too many games. And uh, so so let's go to you, Chris. What did you see out of the Wolves tonight? I mean, I saw I saw D'Lo passing well. Um, it's something that Finch talked about in his very first press conference. He wants to see D'Lo the play creator. And, um, you know, I've seen that in the last couple games where he's making really good passes. And a lot of it leads to the fact that, you know, Finch also has that that offense where we're cutting so much more um we seem to be doing a lot of that late pass to the cutter like hitting the cutter when he's right about at the basket um 
Mm -hmm. Kogi had a nice dunk off a cut. Like we've been moving well. Um, uh, the Celtics just act a lot. That's one thing that it's just hard for me to watch basketball when I, when there's just floppers and actors and guys like all that crap, like, ah, man, that's tough to do, but it's part of basketball. Um, our defense was terrible, just like it was, you know, against the Pacers. I saw, I, at one point, Jim Peterson said this was late in the game, maybe with, you know, a minute left or something. He said the last time the Wolves had two consecutive stops in that game was at the seven-minute mark of the third quarter. And, this, <laughs> and he said that, like, pretty much end of game. So a quarter, pretty much, you know, a quarter and a half without getting two consecutive stops. Jeez. And, uh, you know, D'Lo's a shot maker. You know, that's the thing. That's what he's going to struggle with or, or what the Wolves are going to have to learn in these last, you know, 18, 20 games is D'Lo's going to have to learn when to be a creator and when to be a shot taker um, because this is by far the most talented team he's been on offensively. And uh, he's going to have to learn when to uh, defer and when to take a shot. So I'm excited to see how that works out. Absolutely. So, so let's, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see why we tally no further. Um, so we, we, the Wolves basically have a big three right now. And I don't know if you can call, well, maybe a big three um, Edwards, D'Lo and Cat, And they're finally starting to play together. Obviously the third cog in that for now is Malik Beasley or the fourth cog is Malik Beasley, but obviously he isn't on the floor right now. Uh, so Jared, you had some strong opinions on this. What do you like seeing about the chemistry between, uh, uh, Anthony Edwards, D'Lo and Cat right now? So there was one player in particular in this game, and I believe it happened around the three ten to three thirty minute in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and I believe Cat kind of flashed. I don't think it was a pick and roll. I'm pretty sure it was a flash. Cat flashed up, D'Lo passed him the ball, Cat backed out and kind of waited for a double team to see if it was coming or not. And then, um, you know, D'Lo was kind of open on the three-point line, and then Edwards cut to the middle and was wide open and got an easy dunk. And the, the play art of that just seems so simple yet so to the point. And, and this is a play that if you watch – or, or you saw this play, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about because it stood out to me like a sore thumb. The way Cat backed out, like he was going to shoot the three and kind of see if a double was coming. And then if it was, then he was going to look at D'Lo. The double never came, but Edwards flashed so quick to the middle. They He found him, and it was an easy dunk. And I saw a lot of that, like, three-man play art for those three. And it all kind of starts at the top of the key. And I think that's something that – that is, is being taught by the coaches. Um, and, and I think they're trying to to really use those three and almost, I don't want to say like a triangle offense because it's all it's almost all on the perim perimeter, but those three are, are getting the spotlight in, in the offense. And I thought that they looked really good tonight. Another thing with, with D'Lo tonight, and it, it, this brings up kind of the tanking conversation too, but you got to remember D'Lo didn't check into the game until there was like three minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter when we were down by 11. So that kind of makes me seem like if this was a different circumstance, he was probably in the game a little bit sooner. Um, it just kind of seemed that way to me. 
Um, I'll let you guys talk about your thoughts on it, but Chris, go ahead. I mean, I think a lot of that's just Delo still on a minutes restriction. I mean, he played 26 minutes today or 28 minutes, 26 points. Um, you know, there, we have so much like there's so much gravity that's pulled towards Carl Anthony Towns when he has a ball, and same with Delo now. And then they they've got to cover the paint for Edwards. I mean, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be trouble to try to to try to contain those guys. And then anytime you really force your hand off one of those, you've got Beasley sit, sit in the corner. I mean, there's a reason why we're one of the best offensive teams since the All Star All Star break. I mean, we're we're killing it. I mean, I think I saw, I don't know what this time period is. Maybe it's the last month or month and a half, but I mean, Portland Edwards is averaging more. 24 points a game. Like, and he's your third, third, you know, third guy. It's going to be, it's going to be trouble. Like if, if they get it to work, that's the thing. It's, I think it all comes down to D'Lo because he's obviously going to have the ball in his hands the most. Um, and, you know, we saw in the in the piss in the Pacers game when Edwards went off for 17 points in the fourth quarter. Um, he need if he's willing to, if Delo's willing to be the second fiddle, third fiddle when another guy's hot, and I think he will. Like, I don't see Delo as, I don't know, I don't see him as a super greedy player i do i mean I, he likes to get his shots up but i don't think it's a greedy thing i think he just thinks that's that's his game um but i think it's going to be on him to make this all this work and i think he can do it and when it does man it's going to be special i mean those mm -hmm. three guys are 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 crazy and and the the pace that delo plays in and cat play in is very similar and then the pace that edwards plays in is so opposite that i just love the mix you know mm -hmm. uh jared go ahead you had something yeah so so uh bally sports sports are they, are they bally sports network now <laughs> are they, it's bally north? sports okay. but then we're we're north that's the one yeah, we're okay yes yeah. so they put up a graph tonight and it was late in the game and i believe it was uh uh total offense i don't know if there was a time frame from it but Portland was number one and we were number two and we were like fraction of a point behind them for, for best offense in the league. And I don't know when the time frame was, I don't know if it was year long or what it was, but I saw that and I was like, you know, after watching this game kind of makes sense to me because we looked efficient tonight. Like mm -hmm. even in the loss, like we've, we've talked about defense in previous podcasts. I talked about defense when we played against the nets and how that's something that I was kind of looking for to see how we did. And we'll probably talk about this a little bit later on as well. Um, but offensively, I mean, we look really, really good in my opinion. And I also think that D'Lo is a lot more healthy than, than they, they want to say that he is. Cause, cause not only did he look good tonight, but like he didn't look hurt at all. Mm -hmm. No, he, he talked about it in his, in a, in a post game where, they asked her, like, well, did they really have to force you back on the – or, like, hold you out of the game, you know, and not come back early and stuff? And Delo said, no, I was pretty much on my timetable. I didn't want to come back until I was 100%, not 80%, not 90%, 100%. Mm 
100%. So, and he says, I'm 100% right now. So I think right. it's just a game shape thing. I don't think it has anything to do with injury. Cause I think he just had a little cleanup. It was more, I mean, it wasn't like a structural thing. So, um, yeah, man, he's, he, once he gets in shape, I mean, he's ready to go. Right. And, and that's the other thing. I'm glad that the Timberwolves organization let him go in his timeline because what what's the point of rushing him back at this point? I mean, I mean, we can have the tank debate, which we did earlier, by the way, if you haven't seen that video, check it out on this channel, shameless plug. But um, it, th there's no reason to rush D'Lo back, particularly if you think, hey, what if something goes wrong? What if his shot mechanics get screwed up because he's not 100%? What I like about this big three of – and I'm going to be calling it a big three from now on because I think it is. I think it's getting very close, particularly when – uh, D'Angelo Russell is back to full minutes. I think you have a bona fide big three. Um, yeah. what, what I love about it is that they're all different kinds of players. You got Cat who likes to post up and can hit the three outside. You have D'Lo who likes to create and obviously hit the three-point shot. And then you have Ant who just loves to attack the basket. So, I mean, it's perfect. Um Anthony Edwards go or Anthony Edwards drive to the baskets gets doubled. Who do you throw it to? D'Angelo Russell open for a three, and he's like a forty percent three shooter. Or you have Towns on the perimeter as well. It seems like a perfect mix. Uh, uh, Chris, you had some. What's up? Well, the thing about it is D'Lo. You and and what I've loved about what I've seen so far at D'Lo, and who knows if it'll stay, but he has been taking it so hard to the hole these last couple games. I mean, I remember. Early on in this year, they were talking about him, and, and a lot of it was his Golden State stats, I think, more than the Minnesota stats last year, but he was something like 98th percentile in finishing at the rim, like in his in his uh, finishing percentage, but mm -hmm. he was something like 5th percentile in actual shots at the rim. So, like, he, he, he he's an amazing around-the-rim finisher on his layups, but he just didn't take any. Well, he's taking them now, and he's he's getting to the line more, and he's and he's just putting that pressure on the defense. So if we have him doing that, we have we have Edwards. I mean, we, I mean, we really could be a top three or four offense in the league, which which isn't too much to think because we weren't too far off that last year offensively, um, and it's just going to come back to defense if we can play any defense, but. The way we've been playing defense under Finch, man, we're getting our hands on so many balls. We had two guys with four steals tonight, and we're passing around. We had three guys with over seven assists. Like, I mean, we're playing good basketball. I mean, taking this team to overtime is not a – I mean, when we got the loss, which was important for me, but, I mean, we're playing <laughs> decent ball. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Jared. Yeah, so, so I was going to – just bring up like you guys remember early on in the season when Dilo was playing kind of by himself. He 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 did a lot of that like mid range too. He had that like step back mid range that he was doing a lot of, mm -hmm. and and like watching tonight, like not to say that that's disappeared from his game, but like his mentality is so much different. Like he's such a versatile player. Like like Chris was saying, like attacking at the rim. There was a couple of times tonight where I was watching late in the fourth quarter. We're down, you know, ten, and I'm like. That's a that's a good take right there, you know. And, and he's aggressive. I thought he played phenomenal uh, tonight, and this is kind of the first time I got to really sit down and watch him for a set period of time since he's come back. And, and I thought he's he's looked. And like I said, I, I think he's also super healthy. But I thought he looked phenomenal tonight. 
Yeah. I mean, 28, 28 minutes, 26 points, four rebounds, eight assists on two turnovers. Like, give me that. And what mm-hmm. was what I like about it is he had 28 point or 26 points on 18 shots. And Edwards had 24 points on 12 shots. That's what's going to be interesting about Edwards is, is he now going to pick his place more? And instead of maybe he, like, he doesn't have to force up some bad. I, I always say he doesn't take bad shots because, because I don't think he does. Like he doesn't, because he can get his shot off. So like, it's never really like over defended. Um, maybe it's not in perfect rhythm and stuff. So maybe now he'll just take the rhythm shots and the, and he's getting easier drives. But um, if he can move his efficiency to like around like 12 shots and 24 points, if he can do that kind of action, geez, I mean, look out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and Jared, you were talking about um, D'Angelo Russell and his mid range. It's funny you mentioned that because I would actually try to emulate that um, when I would play in my church league in the mornings. I would try to like do a low dribble and just kind of get to the spot and then pull up with a high J. But I don't know. I, I like I said, I love watching D'Angelo Russell. So let's let, let let's go this way since we're talking about the big three of um, Edwards, uh, Towns, and um, Edwards, Towns, and Russell. So given given like a year of practice or what do you think is the ceiling for the, for this team or with this team with this big 3 like is it the playoffs is it a couple rounds into the playoffs is it I, I don't know sounding optimistic is it a championship like what do you, what do you think what do you, if uh, obviously assuming that Anthony Edwards continues to progress what do you think the ceiling for this kind of big 3 is and we'll start with you Chris what do you think are we talking like years down the road? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like overall ceiling, yeah. Like well, if, I mean, if, if we hope for like three or four years. I think if we can keep these three together, um, I mean, it all comes down to the, the, the tertiary, tertiary pieces, like the side pieces, if we can keep solid talent around us. But there's no – I mean, I think next year we're playoffs. I mean, I thought we were going to be – fighting for that 10-9 spot this year if we were healthy. Um, so next year, shoot, if we add that top three pick or at least the asset that could be created with that, I don't think mm-hmm. there's any reason why if we're healthy we shouldn't be, you know, six, seven seed. I mean, I think, we, I think we've got that type of ability. Um, we've seen that the turnaround that this team has made just under a couple, a couple practices under Finch, give them a year – um, to kind of sniff around and know what these players' strengths and weaknesses are as a guy who creates an offense and a defense around players' abilities. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I would be surprised. I'll tell you what, if we're in the playoffs next year, we will be a team that teams don't want to face because we're going to be a team that can score 140 any night. And mm-hmm. if we get hot, I mean, D'Lo can get hot and drop 50 at any moment. I mean, he's proven it. And Edwards, you know, God, man, we could we could make some noise. I don't know if we would win a couple of series, but we're going to put a scare in a couple teams, a couple top-seeded teams, I think. Mm-hmm. And, Jared, what, what do you think is the ceiling for this big three? 
So, so as soon as you asked this question, something popped in my head, and I get killed every year for overprojecting the Timberwolves, and and rightfully so because they they don't ever seem to pan out. And I think we all do it. Yeah, it's just it just kind of comes with watching the Timberwolves. But uh, next year, healthy squad, I got us at the five seed, and 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 someone will say that you're overprojecting this team. What I've seen from this team in the past. In the in the the tanking weeks, as we might call them, it has been so so phenomenal. Like if we learn how to play defense, we're going to beat a lot of teams, and we might not even learn how to play defense and still beat some quite a bit of teams. That's how good we are offensively. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And personally, I I just I I think we can be good, and, and that's what's so exciting. Like I know we I know we made the tank video. And um, like, and, and we said we shouldn't tank, but adding a force like potential star to this, and Malik Beasley, like that's going to be a starting lineup to like to envy going on in the future. But Chris, what do you what you got? I mean, I, and and mind you, that that tank video wasn't so much we shouldn't tank. It was more like I don't think we need to because we're going to lose enough anyways. Right, was, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, this win goes a long ways because uh, the Magic won tonight in a game that or lost tonight in a game that I thought they could win. Um, you know, if we can, I know Okogi played all right tonight. Um, he actually got uh, really kind of emotional in the beginning of the game on some bad calls that didn't go his way. So he actually kind of took it out on the game, which was good to see. But like in a game like today, if we can, you know, Jaden McDaniels, another year he's going to be that much better um, on defense. And and we didn't talk about him, but over these last couple of games, the way that he's been taking the ball to the cup, like he he's not just a jump shooter and a defender anymore, man. He's putting it on the putting it on the on the ground. He's go, I mean he's He's playing a whole different level of game. I'm excited to see him next year. But if we can move a Kogi out of this lineup and get I, I you know, Beasley, I think might be best best as a six man, but if we can get another, I mean, we will get another solid player, we're gonna be good. I mean, I think the fifth seed's probably, I would say that's probably the peak. Um, I would say that that's like the 90%, 95% per, uh, like expected of ne- of next year. If we hit like the top potential, fifth seed, I think would be probably about where the top, but it's going to be fun to see. Yep, absolutely. Unless I, I would say we can get higher than the five. The only way I see that happening, if one of these draft picks is like unbelievable, like if Cade right. Cunningham is like a generational player, like some people are saying that he is or like Grant Hill. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Or Mobley plays amazing or Jalen shoots like 90% from three or something like that. <laughs> like, like that, that, that would, that is what I feel that you would have to take, but man, it's, it's just, I, I know it's hard to say when you have the worst record in the league, but it's an exciting time to be a Timberwolves fan right now. Like it, it actually really is like, I would much rather be a Wolves fan than some of these other teams, like the magic, like what? No. Well, what's your future <laughs> with the magic? Like, oh, I hope Cole Anthony um, turns a corner. Like the, the brightest spot in the Magic's entire basketball organization is Wendell Carter Jr. <laughs> since, <laughs> since they traded for him, has been really good. But like, I mean, they are in full rebuild. They are in like OKC real rebuild mode after they after they traded away Paul George and all that. 
Well, well that that's a, like OKC. I mean, they they still pulled like OKC still got like Chris Paul and like pulled it together and and uh, made even made a playoff run. But I mean, the Magic are just. Like you, you guys know I'm a big CP3 guy, and, and this this lat not this year, but the season before when he was with OKC, one of the reasons why I'm such a big Chris Paul guy is is he ranks out extremely well in win shares, and and when you get on a team like OKC last year, that's why you rank out really good in win shares. They were projected to be the worst team in the NBA preseason last year, and they made the playoffs, and they they scared. Oh, uh, I think it was Houston, the Rockets in the first round. I think they took him to seven games. That's just the kind of player that Chris Paul is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I do want to mention, did you guys see what uh, what Zach Levine did in the first half tonight? I did. He had, what, 39? 39. 39 on, like, 13 of 17 shooting and, like, he, but finished, he finished with But he finished with 50. Yeah, he finished with 50. He scored eleven points in the second half, man. Come he, on. he was he was the big spotlight of the NBA, and don't and don't hold your breath. But the Timberwolves let somebody score more. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I, I will say this: the Bulls did lose. So yes, they did. <laughs> to the to the uh, to the Atlanta Hawks. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like I I don't know the Bulls. Not not to get on a not on a Bulls rant, but I. I, I don't know if if Zach Levine and Vucevic is enough for them to like make a huge step forward. I think it's a step in the right direction, but I don't know if it's enough to make a huge step forward. When when we talk trade deadline, I absolutely love that trade for the Bulls, and I even talked about it on our podcast. I don't know, probably three or four podcasts ago now, but it just isn't working. Like they don't know whether to stagger them guys or keep them on the floor together. And it's just kind of been a mess from the coaching standpoint with the bulls. They even benched Kobe white to start Saturansky. And uh, like, they just, they're much like the Timberwolves in a way where they have talent, but they're young and they, they just haven't figured it out yet. Mm -hmm. And by the way, when I said earlier for the magic, Kobe white, I meant, uh, Cole Anthony is what I meant to say. For, you, I think you got it right. You said Cole Anthony. Yeah. Oh, I did? Oh, okay. Good, good, good. Okay. Uh, so something that, that uh, Chris particularly wanted to bring up, they they brought out a uh, a list of the top 25 oh, players wow. under 25. Um, and I, I've seen some of it. Obviously, it's behind a paywall. ESPN smartly put it behind a paywall because you know some people are, are going to buy that. Uh, so, so what did, uh, Chris, what did you notice from the list? What, 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 do you want to talk about on the list about the list? I mean, what was, what, what kind of stood out to me is they had LaMelo ball at number three and to, to, yeah. to give us, to give ESPN some credit, it's, it's based on potential, like future potential, um, under 25, but like Devin Booker was like seven, um Tatum who just dropped 53 on us was like five or six and I mean I get it it's ESPN and I get it's clickbait and I get it that LaMelo Ball is a darling of the NBA much like Zion was last year and much like you know choose your guy the year before that and Lynn Sanity and whatever you can make up to try to sell stories but I mean and I love LaMelo Ball I love watching him um but I mean, he's as good as Lamelo Ball is on offense. He's as he is that bad on defense. So to put him 
at three is ridiculous. But what I think is the best thing out of the whole thing is they put Anthony Edwards at 19. Anthony Edwards is damn near scoring 25 points since the All-Star break. This kid is 19 years old, like the second youngest guy in the NBA. And they put him at 19 on that list behind like, like deep behind like Shea Gildress Alexander's having a down year. Like, I mean, that is the perfect thing, I think, for Wolves fans to see. I mean, you mm -hmm. put Edwards at 19 and let him just stew on that, let him go into the offseason getting disrespected like that, even though he's going to say he didn't look at it and stuff, but you looked at it and you heard about it. And that is, I mean, I couldn't have asked for I mean, anything, if you would have missed the list, it would have been better maybe, but not by too much. I mean, that was the, the perfect thing for us, I think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that that's, yeah, that's great. I think he's going to stew on that. Absolutely. And yeah. Um, just putting Lamelo that high is 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 just it's crazy to me. Like when you have established stars doing things, like L Lamelo, he's going to be great. But like to put him over Devin Booker, who's having an amazing year this year, is just ludicrous. Donovan Mitchell, he's over Donovan Mitchell. He's like, over like guys that are in MVP talks under twenty five. Like I get it, he's nineteen and they're twenty four, but come on, man. Also, I, I saw something, um, I forget who posted it, but basically uh, ever since since Charlotte lost LaMelo, they like have a winning record. So like, I, I don't know. I Yes, LaMelo's great, but like, can you really put him over Devin Booker, who is leading his team to the two seed right now? And, Clickbait. Yeah. We, we, we don't talk about this ever on this podcast, but – um, I'm going to mention it now because I think it's a real life thing and that's media bias. Um, and, and the ESPN is in love with the metal because like Chris said, it sells stories, it sells articles. It's, you know, people, people are in love with them, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, like, like look at the, the, the Milwaukee bucks before, before they were like the number one seed, they still haven't won anything and they still probably don't get as much credit as they deserve for how good they they were, I would say, because I don't think they're as good as they, they once were this year. But, like, they didn't get any shine either because they're in a small market city. That's the same thing with Minnesota. Like, like if you're not a Timberwolves fan, like, you know who Anthony Edwards is, but have you sat down and watched him? Probably not. Right. Not a whole lot of basketball fans can say that. They've sat down and watched the Timberwolves for 48 minutes. Right. Particularly if you're an NBA fan and all, all you heard about the draft was, oh, this is a down draft. There's no there's no real winners in this draft. Like that's what I was listening to a bunch of podcasts in the offseason. And that that's what everyone was saying. They were like, Oh man, of course the Wolves get the number one pick in this draft when there's when there's no one that good in the draft. Oh, the no one's gonna come out of this draft. And then like LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards are tearing it up. Like uh yeah, one thing yeah, I want to say. Well, one thing about that bad draft is, man, nobody knows. The last bad draft they talked about is had the two-time MVP um, Greek freak in it. You know, like you don't mm -hmm. know what's going to happen. These kids are are poor nineteen-year-old kids that are about to be rich. You know, like who knows what they're going to do with that money? Who knows how they're going to move forward? Like mm -hmm. nobody knows. But one guy that wasn't on that list, which I 
have been saying since the start is uh, Mr. Wiseman. I didn't see him in that top 10. And yeah. I'm telling you, the, the, the Wolves, the, the Timberwolves guy, and I know I'm, I'm, it's a broken record for me, but Nas Reed again tonight, eight minutes, 10 points, man. We got to find a way to get this guy on the court. I would not trade straight up Nas Reed for, James, for Wiseman right now. I wouldn't do it. I think Nas Reed's a better player, and I think he's going to be a better player than Wiseman. And I don't think it's going to be close. Mm -hmm. um, Wiseman's a Wiseman's. I mean, he's so soft, and the way that Reed has been playing, he's been dunking on everybody lately. Like, man, shoot, Nas Reed should have been on that list. That's who I'm mad about. That's my new <laughs> petition. So, so before we move on from our ESPN drop, there was a question posted by First Take today. And I thought it was a pretty good question, and I feel like I might have disagreed with the public on this one. Um, but the question was, ESPN, if you're going to sponsor us, now's the time because we're dropping you. Um, but if uh, <laughs> the question was, would you take right now, who is the better player at this exact moment, Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell? Mm. Uh for me, it's a, question. it's a tough question. It is because you, you can't say like, oh, one of them's leading their teams to wins. One's not because they're they're one and two right now. Uh, I, I think it's Devin Booker because I personally think that the that the Jazz have a better team around him um, and they have the inside presence with like Gobert. But and that this is not a slight on Mitchell. I love Mitchell. I love watching him play. I think. His, like I, I said in a, in a video uh, previewing the Northwest Division, I think that Mitchell's stock rose to the ceiling in the playoffs last year. Like in the bubble, he was amazing. He was amazing. That series between the Jazz and, and Denver was amazing. But I, I would still take Booker right now because I think his pure scoring ability. But what would you take, Chris? Man. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's truthfully, it comes down to team makeup. I mean, because they're, they're so different. Like Booker's always, or, I mean, Mitchell's always putting pressure on the rim, you know, kind of guy. And Booker, Booker's more of a play creator. Um, he can do more with the ball in his hands, like in, in facilitating others. I mean, he's had plenty of couple years where he's like at six, seven assists. Um, I would, I would probably say Mitchell's a better defender, but neither one of them really. That's not really their thing. Um, dang. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't know. I would I would have to see what the rest of the roster is around them. You know, like I think it comes down to that. My, my pick was Mitchell, and, and I think they're very similar players. They both can – can light up the score sheet and they both can get hot from pretty much anywhere. Like, right. like we've, I mean, you could say that Booker scored 70, but a lot of the times when Booker put up those big, big scoring games, a lot of that came from the free throw line. A lot of that came late in games. I think the last time, I think when he did drop 70, it was against the Celtics. I'm not even sure if they won that game, um, but I know a lot of it came at the free throw line as well. They're both phenomenal players. I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was actually a pretty good debate. Um, but I'm taking Mitchell. Mm -hmm. There's no wrong answer. Right. Yeah, I, I totally I, – I agree. Yeah, there, there really is no way to go. Also, uh, just some of the uh, 
and I know I know in the NBA right now the divisions don't really matter too much, like because it's all seeding. So it's not like in the NFL where you got to win the NFC North or whatever. But really, when you think about it, I mean, some of the guards in our division are just outstanding. You got Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, and Shea Gildress Alexander. Like that's that's a pretty good bunch of guards. In the one division, has so much talent, so much talent mm-hmm. right now. I mean, there's not a time I think ever where there's been more talent, top to bottom, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And none of it's in Orlando. And none of it's in Orlando. <laughs> none of it's, at tried. least none of it's healthy in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So, so we've been kind of positive, even for we've been kind of positive so far. Um, so let, let's keep the positivity up. I, I kind of want to ask this question. I posed this question to our to our uh, to the Wolves Facebook group. Um, so let, let let let's go a few years from now, or even maybe next year, when the Wolves are like a perennial in Lord willing, this is all hoping, but the perennial good team, like like they're legitimately a good team. They're making the playoffs. They're they're playing well. Um, and everything's clicking. Let's hope that happens. How will you? How, how will your attitude be towards bandwagon fans? Uh, so, so this probably isn't the right answer, but but this is my answer. I've been a Minnesota sports fan since I came out the womb. I've loved Minnesota sports across the board, whether it's Wild Gophers, Twins, Vikings, Timberwolves. I've I've lived my whole life here, and I love Minnesota sports. And I've seen so much heartbreak that if you ain't with me now, you better not be with me down the road because I have been through blood, sweat, and tears for these teams, and I have seen nothing. So that's 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 my stance. All right, what, what do you think, Chris? I mean, I, I mean, I can see that. I, I feel you. Um, but I mean, if you want this franchise to succeed, if you want this team to succeed, you need as many eyes as you can get on them. I mean, I'm talking, I want all of North Dakota to follow us. I want Iowa, give me Montana. I want <laughs> Timberwolves to be, you know, I want, I want it to be Drake's new favorite team. Like <laughs> that's, that's the kind of support I want. You know, I want it all because um, that's what we need to, to bring in, you know, free agents, to bring in the, the marketing dollars to bring in the, you know, maybe catch one or two games on national television after we win a title, maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I see it, but you know, I'll take it all. Give me all, give me all you bandwagon fans because it's pretty nasty to be in the Western conference final and only have about 15,000 people uh, or maybe 8,000 people in the stadium because those are the only true fans that were there right now, you know? That's true. Yeah, and that, that's a good point because I was gonna come into the podcast like, oh, if you weren't if you weren't with me at my worst, now then you can't be with me at my best. But like you were saying, it's it's tough because I now this is just personally for me. I pride myself on not being a bandwagon fan. Like I, I'll say this straight up: I am not a Wild fan at all. Like I'm not. Like I don't care about the Minnesota Wild, and I've been very clear about that. If they win the championship. I won't be at the parade. Like I, I just, I, I, it's not me. Like I don't care about it. So, so like I pride myself. The, the one thing that I bandwagon on is whatever team LeBron's on. Cause I'm a LeBron guy and, and I grew up watching LeBron. He's my Jordan. 
So, um, but yeah, I, I like to think that I'm going to have an open attitude to fans. But like when you start seeing people at Target Center, like, like, oh, I just bought this new hat for the first time. Or, oh, here's my jersey from this year that I just bought because I like Anthony Edwards now for some reason. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know. It's going to be tough for me, but I'm going to try. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try to accept like, like looking like when our, when our fan group becomes 15,000 instead of like 4,000, like, like it's, it's going to be interesting, but I, I think, I'll, I think I'll be able to do it. I think I'll be able to do it. Um, but man, how just, I, I know we're a losing team right now, but man, how fun is next year going to be like for real? Like it puts a big smile on my face. Really I mean, it's, it's sadly the mantra of every Timberwolves fan every year is how fun is next year going to be. But I think this is really the one that's going to be fun next year. You know, yeah. like, like the last time I've been this excited for a team that's doing bad is when we is right before we hired Thibodeau, when we had the roster that was like Rubio, Levine, Wiggins and cat. And we were, we, we had the, fifth pick coming in that I was sure was going to be Murray. Um, and then it wasn't, but uh, <laughs> that was the last time I was this excited. So now we've got, you know, we've got Carl Anthony Towns and, and D'Lo and Edwards and Jaden McDaniels and Nas and Beasley and maybe a top three pick. Like, whew, that's a lot, man. That's a lot. Man, you spewing off those names. Have you guys, you guys know like those Wu-Tang Clan shirts that say like, and Raekwon and. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I want one for the Wolves that says like, like D-Lo and Cat and. I'll make and one. And I'll put Bear. it together. Yeah, yeah, like I, I want that shirt. I, one I thing really I want to mention completely yeah, off topic, but um, when, when we were talking about, when, when earlier when I said, you know, one of the best times full of talent wise it made me think of older talent and um when i was watching the game the, the pacers game the other day one thing that came to mind when i was watching cat in the post getting um you know like he gets so many offensive fouls on his little spin move with his little chicken wing hook and stuff um cat is officiated the way that opponents wanted Shaq to be officiated back in the day like, I've never seen a big man get more ticky-tack little fouls on him. Mm. Like, for like today when he was they, – they try to defend him with little guys, so he spins on a little guy and his, and his arm hits a little guy in the head. Well, that's like a big man's waist. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, it's just – it's super frustrating, and, and he's getting really frustrated, which is a whole other thing I've noticed about this team under Finch is how much we complain. Um, uh, we talked about it early in this podcast, how I was really impressed how Cat had completely cut out his complaining um, and Anthony Edwards wasn't complaining. And ever since Finch took over, they've been definitely a lot more vocal on their complaints. So I think that not complaining thing must have been a, a Ryan Saunders thing um, because, man, they've all been – I mean, they haven't been over the top, but they've been a lot more. But, yeah, Cat is officiated like – like like every opponent wanted Shaq to be officiated, and it's super frustrating. Mm -hmm. Jared, you got some? Yeah, I was just gonna say uh, that was my one downfall from from tonight's game. Is is Cat? There was a couple times where he got blatantly fouled, and he didn't get a call. And you know, 
under Saunders, he would kind of let it go. And today he was frustrated. Like there was a point late in tonight's game where I was like, mm, cat might get a T here. Cause he was, he was that frustrated and, and it sucks to see, but I also think he had, he had the right reason to be upset. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of frustrating for me to see because like Chris has said before, I, I, I just, I hate to see that kind of basketball, but, Ugh. but he had reason to be pissed and he was, and, and he voiced it. I wonder if when we start winning, that'll change because we still get no calls. I mean, we get no calls, but hopefully, you know, you, you put a playoff stretch together and refs will start, refs will start, you know, giving us some credit. Who knows? Mm-hmm. One thing I want to talk about before we move into the, the week coming up was, was the Pacers game. Um, and, and the reason why I want to talk about it is because we've kind of talked about our defense on this podcast a few times and how it's kind of frustrating. The Pacers game, was they were without Miles Turner, they were without Malcolm Brogdon, and they were without DeMontes Sabonis, and they still put up 141 points on us. <laughs> and that, to me, still kind of raises an eyebrow for me to be concerned with us defensively. And then there's other times where, like, well, like when we played the Nets, I was like, oh, yeah, I was kind of impressed. You know, we lost, but we held them under 120, and Harden didn't kill us. But, like, there's a – like, I feel like that's the one thing that we need to make – like, we need to we need to put our, sand, our foot in the sand and say we're going to play defense even if it's half the game. Like, the Pacers shot 60% from the field. They shot I, – I think it was – over 50% from three and like 90% from the line. Like they didn't miss at all. And this was their JV squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like they went, I know in the fourth quarter at one point near the end of the fourth quarter, they were five for five from three. We would come down and make a huge play. Like Edwards would cross a guy over and dump the ball or something. And everyone's hype. And they come down and, you know, one of the holiday boys hits a corner three and it's like, damn, two, that was two for three, like three for two. Like that's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And every single play we did, they answered with a big three. And th- the same thing with the, with Boston tonight, they were in the second half, they were 11 and 19 for three at one point when like late in the fourth quarter, like a lot of that is just bad luck. Cause I mean, that shooting isn't, isn't, you know, going to be there forever, but Dang, that luck seems to be happening quite often. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just giving open shots too. And 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 we can we can straight up say that like when a team out shoots you, you aren't gonna you aren't gonna win very often. Like like we all re- rebounded them by sixteen, which is a pretty large number. A- and as we should, because they're without their two big men, a- and we all rebounded them, and they just shot better than us. And it kind of reminded me. <laughs> a lot of the Baylor Gonzaga championship game, like Baylor just outshot them and that's why they won. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even tonight, I mean, Boston just, it seemed like every time we would make a basket or even miss one in the fourth quarter, they would come and just hit a three just out of nowhere. Now, now, and like you said, you, we can talk about, are we giving up too many open threes? And the answer to that is yes. But even, even times when like we've got them flustered, like, Maybe Rubio is up on his guy and he and he passes over to a guy and a guy goes for a steal and then they rotate and have a wide open three in the corner. I feel like that happened at least two or three times tonight where just we're we're efforting on defense. We just at the last second we we're out of position. 
and, and they have a wide open three and then of course make it because as we know, other teams will always make threes in the fourth quarter against us. Like it just so happens. are you saying are you are you saying draft Mobley? Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I that thought I happen. heard. I thought you were like, hey, you know what we need is a seven footer that can defend on the perimeter and cover the rim. I thought that's what I heard. I'm all in on Mobley. You've convinced me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm close. I'm close. It would be hard. I, It'd be I hard to take him at one. It, is my would, only downfall. it would be really hard. But here's, a, here's like my question. Fan base would revolt. Would revolt here's my question you. about that. If there was no media at all, would it, do you think Cade Cunningham would really be like the consensus number one? Like from what his from his college year, he wouldn't be. The only reason why everyone's so in love with him is because he's been crowned the crown prince for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Like he played okay. So so just just thinking off the top of my head here because I, I like to do that every once in a while. Say there's a team that has a pick that like. Three and a pick at like twenty to twenty-five. Would you trade out of the number one spot, assuming that we get it? Then that's a big assumption. There's ping pong balls involved. Would you trade from one to three for three and twenty to twenty-five? Yeah, I think I would too. I, I like if, if, that much. I would take Mobley over Cade Cunningham every day of the week. I would take Mobley number one. Because for, for a couple reasons, and this is kind of a weird reason, um, I don't think he has as much star potential. So come his first contract, I think Cade Cunningham, if he's in, if he's if Cade Cunningham is playing average to solid, I think he's going to be looking for a max contract. Um, is you know the he's a ball handling wing. That's just what ball handling wings get. Um, a seven footer that might be mainly getting defensive stats, you know, kind of like let's say let's say um, Jonathan right. Isaac style. Jonathan Isaac just signed for what sixteen million a year, something like that. I was going to say the player that came to mind for me when, when, you, when we started talking about like defensive stats was Thaddeus Young, you know, and okay, he's yeah. later on in his career, obviously, but similar yeah. type. Right. So, like, if you can get a guy that. Like we can't have a max guy. Like I don't want, and and this is this again sounds stupid, but I don't want to really draft a max guy right now that that count that conflicts with some of our other max guys. You know, like I don't need a ball handling, ball dominant max player in the draft right now when we've got Edwards and Delo. You know, like, what are we going to do with that? Give me a guy who's not who's going to be equally as effective for our team, equally as impactful because we need, you know, a defensive power forward that can also score and also have upside and maybe not be a max guy. You know, I don't know. That's draft talk. That's for a couple of weeks down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you brought you brought up some interesting points, definitely, and something something to chew on. For uh, as we head towards the draft. So, speaking of uh, the draft, you got to lose games in order to um, <laughs> uh, to in order to make the draft. And it looks like at least three of these upcoming games should be losses. So you got the Bulls on Sunday, um, which could go either way. Uh, and then you got the Nets, basically a full strength Nets. So 
I mean, we played tough with them last time, but and then we have the Bucks. We don't play well against the Bucks. We never have, so that's probably an L. And then uh, the Heats, who are have something to play for. They're fighting for playoff position. Actually, with the team we we lost to tonight, the Boston Celtics. So what what stands out to you about the uh, about the coming week? And we'll start with you, Jared. What 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 games stand out to you? Well, so I was gonna say. I think we're going to go 0 and 4 because I think Finch is a good good coach and he's going to find a way to lose all these games. Um, <laughs> nothing to do with coaching, but other than more the fact that I think that we're going to start tanking a little bit here. And and this is this is uh, I would say three and a half good teams that we're playing in the next the next four games uh, with the with the Bulls. We have a chance to win against them just because they can't figure out their rotation. <laughs> the trade of Vucevic. Um. But I do think uh, I do think that we lose all four. Um, I, I think we find a way to lose all four, and, and I'm okay with that. Um, I will say, last week in my two games, I went one and one. Uh, but I will defend myself. Embiid did play against the Sixers <laughs> when we played the Sixers. Embiid did play. So, oh yeah, um, well, one I, thing we should, mention, we should mention from that game. Uh, Towns finally had a good game against Embiid. Like he he played out of his mind. Like that that was fun. I think if Towns can do that more often, like that could be that's going to be a fun rivalry going forward with Embiid and Towns. And Embiid was trying to take him out, take him out of his game too. Yeah, yeah. Like all these hard fouls and like grabbing him and stuff like that. Like what's up with that? Like (laughs) that's Embiid. That's what Embiid does. Yeah, Embiid's a big, tall, goofy guy. You know, that's just what he—that's how he plays. But but he's also super talented. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I I think we find a way to lose all four, um, and that's kind of what I'm rooting for. Just kind of be competitive in them. Uh, I think the most interesting game to me would probably be the Clippers, just to see how we do defensively. I know I know that's kind of been a, a a thing that I've talked about the past couple times when we're looking forward, I look at high-powered teams. The Clippers offensively aren't all that great this season. Uh, they've been super injury banged up. Um, so them, them or even uh, the Heat game would just be kind of fun because we, well, we all know Gabe secretly likes the Heat, so that's always kind of fun. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think that would be kind of fun to see to see how Cat does in the post against a solid defender like Bam Adebayo, who is now healthy again. Mm-hmm. And Chris, what 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 do you see when you look at this week? Um, you know, it's hard to tell these wins and losses because our team is so uh, so hot and cold. But um, I was just say, we're streaky. That's 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 yeah, the way this I mean, team. If you watch them, they're streaky. The Bulls. The Bulls we could beat. Um, I really want to see that Nets game, and I want to see us put it to Jimmy. Like, I've got a, I've got a disdain for Jimmy, and it's do you, do not you mean really, heat game. What's that? Do you mean Heat game? You said Nets. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Heat game. Yeah, I want oh, okay. to see. We got so many stars coming to town. Chris is ready to see Jaden McDaniels on all of them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I want to see. I want to see um, Anthony Edwards lock up some Jimmy. I want to see it all. I'm excited. Yeah. By the way, Anthony Edwards. Jeez, if 
if if I was playing against him in rec league, I would back cut him all day long for layups. That dude, I love him to death, but he's like a he's like a a kid like on a, like on the soccer field picking picking flowers while the ball's being kicked right by him. Like when when he's not when he's not engaged man to man on defense, he's just in la la land. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, when I see. I, I think we can beat the Bulls. I, I think we're a better team than the Bulls, even with Vucevic. Um, so, I mean, uh, obviously Levine's going to want to show out. Show basically show base show show us what we're missing. Uh, basically, I think he's going to show out. But you know, yeah, it'll be fun. Nets Bucks. I guess the game I'm not excited about is the Bucks game because we never seem to like compete with the Bucks. They always seem, particularly if Giannis has it going. Like we never seem to put up much of a fight against the Bucks. Chris, you got some? There's no team I hate watching more than the Bucks right now, because I absolutely hate watching um, Antetokounmpo play. He is just a miserable watch. How he just pushes his way, puts his elbow, shoulder into some smaller guy, and slow euro steps and. He just puts it all in the raft not to call the charge. I just hate his style of basketball. Uh, wait a minute. Are we talking about Giannis or, or Thanis? Both. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I kind of like Thanis' way to play. I like that because he's like a Kogi. If a Kogi like got on some like, you know, like on some pro some more protein, got a little taller. Like he's like a big a Kogi, but yeah, no, I'll take him on my team, not Giannis. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I think we're gonna. Oh, and then also, I should mention, like, like Jared was mentioning. Yes, I do want to see the Heat. Uh, but um, uh, let's uh, let's put a bow on this. Chris, thanks so much for another great week. No problem, man. And Jared, thanks for joining us as always. As always, guys, it's a, it's a highlight of my week, and I just want to – I know we're a big basketball podcast, but I want to drop a few MLB things in because the MLB has just hit hit form. Twins are playing super well. Joe Musgrove just threw his first no-hitter uh, tonight, which was kind of fun to see, um, but we'll always be a basketball podcast. So if you love basketball, you better be here. Absolutely. And uh, I'll, I'll throw in one plug. My St. Cloud State Huskies are going for a natty. So. Ooh. Yeah, so they are in their first ever Frozen Four. They beat Mankato. Um, they came and, back against Mankato and uh, going for a championship. So and they, they, they are the only Minnesota team left, so we are all Husky fans this weekend. Absolutely, yeah. They play UMass probably when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on Saturday tonight. So go Huskies. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe on Facebook and follow us on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And as always, go Wolves.